Today's episode is sponsored by your favorite company, our favorite company, and we sponsor every episode. How funny is that? It is Study Notes ABA. Guys, our fall collective is out. This is the best study prep you could ever get. We break that shit down for you in 20 classes. It's going to be starting August 24th. But up until the end of July, you could use coupon code EARLYAF and get your spot for $50 off. If you love the bitches and you love real, raw, relatable content that covers every single thing you need to know for the test, go to www.studynotesaba.com and find us there. Remember, coupon code EARLYAF. Study Notes ABA ABA in a little X-rated way It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are here with episode 58. Casey, give us a rhyme. Episode 58, today in the show, we have Ivan the Great. Not terrible, the great. Look at that. Amazing. Ivan the Great. This sounds familiar to someone we've had on before. We will get further into that, but first... Let's reinforce our behavior of doing the podcast with a review of the day. All right. This one's coming in by ASLBCBA. My saving grace. Five stars. She says, okay. Or he says, I don't know. Not discriminating. Okay. A bit dramatic title, but I work in a school system as the only BCBA. I need my people. And this podcast gives me that every Monday to start my work week. As a stressed out BCBA who never feels like she's doing enough, I find the rawness and honest dialogue in these episodes so refreshing. Keep it going, please. Hashtag loyal listener. Well, we got you, girl. And because you guys keep listening, we're going to keep putting these out every Monday morning. And guys, again, we live for these reviews and I'm the shameless one to ask for them. But if you are doing something that allows you to stop right now and you have an Apple phone, Apple iPad, go ahead, leave us a five-star review and some kind words. We love reading them and we love when we read them and you guys reach back out to us and say, hey, that was me. Putting together Instagram handles with Facebook names, with your reviews is just a fun stimulus equivalence challenge that we engage in on a regular basis. So without further ado, today we have a very exciting guest who um, I owe some half of my life to. He was the donor to my mother that (laughs) I am here today. And by donor, I mean he was my father. Um, He is your father. He is my father. (laughs) And... His name is Ivan. You might have heard him before. And yes, the name is scary. He's not as scary as his name makes. Actually, he can be scary. That's a total lie. Um, If anyone knows me here, I am who I am because of my dad. Every single thing that I did not like about my dad, I do myself. So whether it's getting everyone involved in every single project or over committing herself to everything, trying to help out and save the world one person at a time. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Any of those things. Uh, If something needs to be done, consider it done with my dad. If you don't get it done the second he asked for it to be done, he says, never mind, forget it. Um, And he has a love for life and a really interesting take on finances and investing. He's a financial advisor and I've actually started trying to understand these different things more as I'm hitting hashtag adulthood. And dirty so, 30 coming up in a week, baby. Dirty 30 coming up in a week. And by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be coming out in four days. So I asked my dad if he'd come back on about this because we do discuss this stuff a lot now. And that's really it. Without further ado, dad. Hey. Hi, Linky. Hi, Casey. Hey, dad. How are you? Good, thank you. We're so happy to have you back. I think episode I'm four was... Yeah, I'm so impressed that that you would have my name rhyme with the, the episode 58. I didn't even... Pl- we didn't even plan that. It's been yeah, happening a lot lately with our guests. Yeah, that's very good. 
Well, episode mm-hmm. four was so great with Shelby. Um, Shelby, if you're listening, we want you back on here too. Um, we're going to get that in the works, but Ivan was awesome. And I learned so much from that episode. And I think a lot of people did too. And so Liat, what are we talking about today with your amazing dad? We are going to be talking about the stock market since my dad has been involved in the stock market since when dad? 1981. Okay, that's a while ago. That is aging yourself. So that's thirty nine years ago. That's holy. When you when you know you're old, when you can say <laughs> you've done something for thirty nine years. <laughs> Woo! I've, I have a little man. interruptions in between, but in general, I've been involved. So the reason I asked you to come on today, aside from the fact that this is the only time that I could possibly spend time with you because I'm so busy, is because. Like I said, recently, I've been trying to understand the stock market a little more. And I, right when coronavirus started, I told my dad, dad, everyone's going to start using Zoom and we use Zoom. And so I was like, I want to buy some stock in Zoom. So I bought some stock, not no crazy amount, right? Or my dad helped me get it. And the money went up and I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. The stock market is so easy. All you do is put some money in, you make some more. And my behavior was reinforced. And I saw this as, oh my gosh, this is extremely behavioral. And so now I've started to, now it sparked my interest. And I just wanted to ask you some questions, dad, about what you've seen over all these years. I mean, right now I would say the economy is going through something possibly with coronavirus? You wouldn't think. If you looked at the stock market as an indicator as to what happened to the economy, basically prior to the economy, the market was at a certain level and that level is the same today, relatively the same. So if you took a snapshot, a picture of what the stock market looked like prior to corona and a picture today after corona, it's more or less the same. So this has to be very, very confounding or very confusing for people because we all do know something happened to the economy. We do know that like if you hotels aren't doing that great, airlines aren't doing that great. There's so many places that aren't doing that great. How can the market be the same as what it was prior to this COVID coming on board? Are you saying there's a conspiracy? No, I don't believe in conspiracies. All I do know (laughs) is that the market is at the highest level that's ever been at in history, within the, definitely within the top of 5%. And the economics below it, how it's presenting itself, is probably within the top 10% of the lowest it's ever been at. And yet, we have the markets exploding. Now, obviously, certain sectors have done particularly well. Uh, let's say, for example, anything to do with Wi-Fi or communication, Zoom, like you mentioned. Maybe... PPE equipment. PPE equipment would have done well if they toilet had paper? toilet Charmin? paper. Toilet paper. I think for whatever reason, I don't know about Charmin. It might be Costco's version, whatever. All toilet paper has done well because people said you need a toilet paper. I don't know. I don't know. If, oh, you're gonna um, die basically. <laughs> I don't know why that was a, a criteria toilet paper, but you know why? Because it, it was mass hysteria, and it became follow the herd. One person right. says it, and everyone follows right in line. That's right. And that's what the market's all about. It's about people following other people many times. It is the most telling indicator of about yourself. You can get an idea of who you are by investing in the stock market. You have that euphoric moment when you bought the Zoom. And then I told Leah that I sold it for her. She bought it at 109 and I sold it for it about 160. And I said, I sold it. And she said, yay. Then I said, by the way, Zoom now is at 200. Oh, why did we sell? Then I said, oh, well, Zoom now is at 250. Oh, why did we sell? So it's the kind of thing where your emotions are tested all along the way, the euphoric part of it. And then when you buy something, let's say you buy a company like Upworks or something like that, because that was an idea of Liat's as well. And it did well, bought it at 12, went up to about 16 and 50, and now it's down to maybe 13. So you can get those ups and downs. And what you have to do is you have to control the emotion. Literally, if you're depressed and you're not feeling well, don't do anything. If the markets are completely wild, 
you, you're just guessing as to what the right decision would be. So it really is, uh, you have to master your, your emotions. And that's why I believe, in my experience anyway, that investing for the longer term is probably the better way that you're not trying to... Now, the exciting part of when a coronavirus comes, which comes about once in a lifetime, you're going to have such... Uh, Tell us the exciting part about the coronavirus, please. The exciting part is when you told me to buy Zoom, when you told me to buy Teladoc. And that's the exciting part where you see an opportunity right in front of you and you want to grab it. And for that moment, you've forgotten about the coronavirus. You're only seeing the opportunity. Similarly, some people might see, wow, the airlines aren't going to do very well. So they begin to bet that the companies are going to go down. So you've got all this emotion going backwards and forwards and friends telling you and everything else going on. And then people are getting a flood of money coming into their accounts, sometimes through PPP loans or people getting money through, uh, and through unemployment. And they're sitting at home and there's nothing to do at home. So what you're doing at home, you think, well, I can't bet on my sports. I can't bet on so many things. Why don't I just bet on the market? And you had a let's find a functionally equivalent behavior, but now we're betting on something else. Right. One of the key articles, I mean, one of the best investors in the world, I think no one will dispute it, is Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough, for the last 10 years, he hasn't done that well relative to the Standard and Poor's index. But he's got his positions that he takes, and over the long term, he makes a lot of money. You can make a lot of money. I could come on here and say, look, we bought Zoom and we did so well with Zoom or we bought several companies that we could have done well with. And then you lose. When you take that money away from the position that you bought, you now take on a totally different risk. There might be a totally different opportunity, but there's a risk. Every time you move your capital, there's a risk. And so that's what what happens in the marketplace. So this is very interesting because... There is something called herd behavior and operationally defined. This is herd behavior is defined as the as an intention of investors to mimic the behavior of other investors. I don't know if intention would be great for an operational definition. So I would say of one following uh, the be- mimic or imitating the behavior of another investor. So I think can we give an example of that of something that might be that? I'll give you a perfect example. One of the companies that has done unbelievably well has been Tesla. I still remember a client maybe five years ago had Tesla at at $300. And they were very concerned about it. And they said, should we buy, should we sell? I didn't know the company well enough. I don't know the technology. You obviously have to anticipate ahead, but they decided to sell. Although technically, when I looked at another source, they said you should probably keep it. Needless to say, Tesla was $300. Today, it's about $1,500 or $1,700 a share. Well, should have, could have, would have. Yeah. But now, in the background, you have a company from China doing something, being a copycat of Tesla called NEO. And NEO, over the last few weeks, has gone from $7 up to as high as $15. So what you are doing is based on consequences you saw from... Well, from Tesla before, you're like, oh, I'm in the presence of a similar antecedent, another type of car that's electric. Did, did it make you buy? Just tell me, did you buy stock in Neo? I must admit I did. Yep, that is but reinforcement. Now, but what, Learning history. What, but watch what happens. So everyone gets into it. But when I say everyone, because you look at volume, the average volume for that share on a daily basis is about 80 to 90 million shares. There would be like 500 to 700 million shares traded in a day. So you could see so many people were speculating on it. Today, this morning, Goldman Sachs comes out with a sell recommendation saying that the value of the company is a maximum of $7 a share. So the share suddenly goes down. You can see how people... A phase change. Intervention goes in there. You are literally looking at line graphs all day. What is a line graph? Well, I mean, basically, no, you could see it going up and down. but The now, variability, Goldman, the bounce. Yeah, Gold, Goldman comes in and says, yeah, it's going down to $7 a share. So here comes the herd mentality. Boom, it goes down. Now, there'll probably be other. Now, just remember, people that are recommending that you sell have maybe previously bet the day before that it's going to go down. 
So they put out an, an announcement like that, and they bet that the company is going to be going down. So there's forces going both ways, betting one way or the other. And it's hard. I think when I was watching a TED talk with um, Dr. Daniel Crosby and a few of the things that I've been saying are exactly Daniel Crosby is a psychologist who is also in finance. So he is the it's called behavioral finance. It's the meeting of psychology and human behavior and um, finances in the stock market. And is one thing he says, if you are excited about an investment, it's probably a bad idea. And that's exactly what Ivan just said. Like, don't do it when you're in this euphoric state. Um, he also talked about um, the guy who invented WhatsApp, the software engineer who, you know, WhatsApp, right? Like the yep. international texting. He was actually turned down for a job with Facebook to do WhatsApp. And he just sold WhatsApp back to Facebook for $19 million. <laughs> and 19 billion, probably. Billion. Yeah. Holy good Lord. Um, so like, you know, he, they didn't see the hidden value in what he had. And um, I think one of the things that like Daniel Crosby talks about is making intelligent risks. And, um, you know, you you're not going to like remember be remembered for like the things you didn't do or like, you know, what this his one line was. He said, uh, you're not going to get through life playing it safe and then like be like, but in retirement, I'll get to eat cat food because <laughs> I have no money. <laughs> um, yeah. But seeing the things like the hidden value of things, which I think is Liat's biggest like strength um, with just people that she's from my dad. From, and I know. Yeah. yeah. You have to get it from him. You, I mean, you're like, I'll be like, hey, that's the most stupid idea ever. Liat. Like this is never going to work. And then it's like gold, like the best idea or there are people that she like believes in. And she just has that amazing um, strength. Well, Casey, you've got something else that uh, I, I did it. I invested well with Casey. Talk about oh. stock. Oh, good. <laughs> Now, but you just mentioned gold. That was gold, Casey. And what's interesting about gold, gold has really been something that I've watched over many, many years, and I've been fascinated by it. And I heard a recent podcast that really made me realize how interesting it is, gold. If you look at the whole world, 8% of the whole world, the actual crust is made up of iron ore or steel. 4% is made up of aluminum. Now, you don't want to invest in either of those because there's so much of it. Mm -hmm. Only 1% of the Earth's crust is made up of all the other metals and minerals. So if you take nickel, cobalt, silver, gold, is all within 1%. And then you realize, wow, that's scarce. Mm -hmm. And scarcity brings about demand particularly if it's in need. So for example, deprivation with, increases value of something. Exactly. So for example, with all the cell phones and the copper wiring and the silver and all of that is used in all the technology. And then gold is at a very high price. So people don't use it as much, but you look at the Chinese and the Indians as a culture, gold is extremely important. And similarly, it's coming into more importance now because when currencies, I don't want to get too complicated, but when currencies have become weak, gold goes up. Mm. In every single currency throughout the world, except for the United States, gold is at a high in terms yeah. of their currency. So in other words, when I came from South Africa, the South African rand could buy one rand, which is our currency, could buy $1.25. So our South African rand was stronger than the dollar. We could buy $1.25 for one rand. Uh -huh. One rand today can buy five US cents. Oh, man. Talk about the depreciation of the South yeah. African rand and inflation. And that's where that becomes very, very interesting. So what I'm hearing a lot of here is a lot of motivating operations. So as dad, I don't know if you knew, I'm this thing called the BCDA. I run study notes, ABA. Um, I heard about it. And... Something that we talk about a lot as behavior analysts is understanding the MO. So it's essentially like, hey, if this person's going to go for a run, that probably be good information for me to know that I should probably go sell them a water right after. It might be valuable to them, right? So it seems like as someone who is doing investments and, you know, doing it for other individuals also for, to help them invest, you really have to be a motivating operation master. Figure out, first of all, 
what are individuals going to want at a certain time? Where are they going to, you know, either go, what are they either going to go buy? What are they either going to go be doing, traveling to where, what's going to be needed? So you are essentially always trying to be one step ahead in terms of understanding what is motivating people in a given moment. You've got to anticipate. Anticipation is what it's all about. But the two driving forces behind investing is greed and fear. Oh, wow. Those are the two driving operating principles. That's the thing. The base human being is driven by either greed or fear. Okay, when so that's... I'm, when I really want something and I'm greedy about it, I'm going to buy so much of it that I'm going to eat so much that I'm going to become sick with it or I'm going to make a huge amount. I'm going to be very greedy. Satiation. When I'm very fearful, when I'm very fearful, I just want to get rid of it. Just get it out of my way. Those Escape, avoid. Make, yeah, so, and that's what drives uh-huh. the market. When the market's going up in such huge ways, greed is, is a driving factor behind that for many people. And when it drops like crazy, fear. Let me just get out of here. I don't want this anymore. And those are the two, two big driving forces in the market itself. So that's like MOs of the individuals themselves. And then there's the other MOs of like things going on in the world that are going to make people go to a, buy a certain product or do yeah, whatever exactly. it is, right? So you're talking more about the MOs of the investor themselves, of the person doing the of, investing. Of, of a human being, of a human being. Yeah, of the human being having those two driving forces. I want something. I'm going to be greedy about it. I'm going to get as much as I can. So I have a question for you. Okay, so, you know, when I thought of this one stock Zoom, I thought that I should be the next um, financial genius. Like, oh, my God, I knew this. It felt so good, right? Reinforcement. Now, have you ever had a big loss in the stock market? Have you ever been like, well, that was a bad idea? Many. Now, I have a question. I've had many experiences like that. And what happens is, is like when you came into the market for the first time, you're fresh. You're not jaded by anything. You don't have any experience. You haven't had the loss experience or the longer than expected experience for it to actually realize. So uh, you do. If, and if you haven't had that, then you haven't been beaten up yet. And then you had, don't really know how the market works. Okay. So this is my next question for you. Sure. Typically, when we talk about behavior, right, we say, well, if a behavior is punished, right? So let's say you've lost $50,000 or 100000 or $5 billion. I don't know, right? You would think that would punish a behavior, right? That would be some sort of a negative punishment, right? Removing something that you like to have. However, this brings us to a very important schedule of reinforcement. Casey, what is it? Variable ratio schedule of reinforcement. Woo! There is what a variable ratio schedule is this. Like a slot machine. Even if you lose so many of those times, just because you intermittently come into contact with reinforcement, that will maintain your behavior of continuing to buy different stocks, right? Because you do know that you, 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 you win some, you lose some. But I just think it's very interesting. The stock market in that sense, you'd be like, oh my God, I just lost $20,000. But that also brings me to my next point of something that we had Dr. David Cox talk about and that is something called delayed discounting. And I'm going to tell you what it is in behavior, and you're going to tell me what it is in real world. In real world, okay? Yeah. So, and Casey, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, Sista? Okay, baby. Delayed discounting really talks about, uh, you know, we had someone on here talk about it with, um, they, they, they did a study with cocaine users, I believe, and it was like, hey, you could either have $50 right now or you can, in one month, have $100, mm-hmm. okay? Now, I know, I, you might have to help me remember the exact study, but I, I think the cocaine users mm-hmm. were much more into the idea of I'd rather have $50 safe right now than have $100 later. Now, I don't remember also, exactly what that's like what dealing with um, addiction, right? So the motivating operation of someone who is an addict um, and their, you know, inability to like be able to handle that delayed discounting of that a hundred dollars is more in a month. And like, that's better. Right. But in the moment, if they know that $50 is going to get them, I don't know, some cocaine amount, I don't know what that would be, but um, the addiction serving is so strong that they're going to take that $50 right then. They're not going to make the rational decision that you and I would make that don't have 
Like if you told me today, Casey, I'll give you $50 or I'll give you 500 at the end of the month. Right? Like I'm not in the state of like deprivation of drugs or something I need where like I'd make that rash decision of like, yeah, give me the 50 bucks right now. But again, every one moment is changing. What if I couldn't even pay my bills right now? I might take the 50. Right. Exactly. So I want to know about when we talk about, let's say someone bought 10 shares at, I'm just make it easy numbers for anyone listening. Cause I know your brain goes into bigger numbers, but mine doesn't. So let's say you bought 10 shares at a hundred dollars each. That means you, that the value of that is 10,000, right? Okay. Now someone, wait, I said you bought 10 you shares at a hundred. Yes, it's a thousand. Oh, so it's a thousand, 10 shares at a hundred. I'm sorry. So you have thousand dollars. <laughs> then the share value goes down to, I said it was $50 each. So it goes down to $500. Okay. Someone reaches out to you and it's like, Ivan, I'm freaking out. I bought a thousand dollars worth and now it's $500. Based on this principle I just told you about, what do you see people doing? That's interesting. There's quite a few things that happen. If you ask him about that person, the investor, what they're doing, they're going to say the following, Ivan, what the hell is happening? Should we sell? You know, I don't want to lose anymore. That's one thing. The person would say, you know what? When it gets back to break even, this is very common. When it gets back to break even, let's sell. That's a very common thing. You, you wouldn't think that they would be, but a person would say, I put in $1,000. It's now $500. When it gets back to $1,000, just sell me out. The idea why, why should it go back to a thousand? I don't know that we should. I mean, I, when I invest in that company, if I know the company and I knew the reason why we bought it at a hundred dollars is because it was worth $150. When it went down to $50, I'm excited. I want to buy more. Interesting. So it's really a matter of which side you're sitting on. When I, when, now I've got to manage people's emotions. I was going to say, now you're managing, are they acting for, out of greed or fear, right? Well, probably they're acting, well, no, another thing as well. Oh, another thing we didn't bring up. Good. Greed, See how she fear, listens? Or trust. Trust. Yeah. They trust you to make money. They came to make money with you. They didn't trust you to lose money. Mm-hmm. So the expectations have to be managed. You know, when you're buying this at $100, it doesn't just go straight up to 200 it may go down because there's two sides to the coin. You've got a coin when you're investing. The one side is what is the actual value of the company, mm-hmm. which no one really looks at except me maybe. And then you've got the other side of the coin is what's the price of the stock doing? And the price of the stock and the value of the company can be totally not matching up. So if, okay, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like right now, like the value of maybe let's just, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but let's just say the value of zoom, right? Maybe it was before COVID. It wasn't that high. Let's say it was a hundred. Luckily I said, okay. Okay. When it was a hundred. That's the value um, of the company. No, the, the, that's the, the value of a share. The value of the share. For your piece of okay. the pie. If you wanted to buy it, that's what the market is pricing it at. They're saying it's worth $100. And that's the value of the company too, right? That's the value of the company multiplied by the number of the shares. Yeah, that would be the okay. value. Of, yeah, okay. But I'm not saying that's the value. You know, it becomes difficult, you know, yeah. in another way. The value of, of all these companies, well, I like think- Netflix and Facebook and Zoom, you can't like sell the assets. There's not assets to sell. Yeah, no, but but I also think this is maybe a good way to explain it, Casey. Yeah. So let's say that you invest in a company that is worth um a thousand dollars. The company's net worth. I'm just doing this for easy purposes, okay? The company's yeah. net worth is a thousand dollars. You buy enough shares to own ten percent of the company. Let's just uh, say, okay, yeah, okay. So what would ten percent of a thousand be? 100. 100. You own 100. Now, let's say the company goes up 10 times that amount. Their company becomes worth more. People are interested in it. They're using their services. Your your share also goes up times 10. Oh, so now okay. you have 
A thousand dollars. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So basically, these companies break themselves up into smaller pieces, like a pizza pie. Like a pizza pie that's cut into so many pieces, and you own a small amount of it. So, like any time that if you have stock in Amazon, and people stop, stop going to the grocery store and are only ordering stuff on Amazon, your piece of the pie increases. Does now, that make sense? Yeah. No, my next question is: when you sell a stock, Ivan. Who buys it from you? Or how do you do that? Like, where does that go? Does a company buy it back from you? There's always a buyer and a seller. So when you are sick and tired of holding your company, you've held it for so many years. Mm -hmm. There's someone that has just got an idea of what this company is, and they're willing to buy it. So you bought it at $10, and they're only too happy to buy it from you at $3 or $4. Because they might have done their own research, and in their head, so like, Let's say I bought Zoom at 100 and sold it at 160, right? Mm -hmm. Someone else, a little slower than me, no offense. No, I'm just kidding. I'm (laughs) the silly one for selling it. Was like, oh my God, this Zoom thing. I think it's going to do amazing. I want to buy more. I want to double down. I want to get more. So they buy it for 160 per share. Right. So there's like, yeah. Yeah. So like, well, you see what, what happened is when you told me about Zoom. I said, wow, that's a great idea. Everyone's going to be using Zoom. Three months later, another person says, you know what? I'm being using Zoom. Look, they're using Zoom. Let's just buy Zoom. And it's at $160. Their starting point was $160. Ours was $100. They saw a different point. They saw it at a different point. The value came to them. The idea came into them at a different point. Because maybe... Anticipation, they also thought, oh, wow, look. IBM is using it now. If they, I'm not saying that often. Yeah, or your personal experience. Yeah. So, like, for me, Casey, I thought of Zoom when I did because I was like, we do everything on Zoom. It's our whole life. You might, yep, you might, you might come into contact with something else later and be like, Liat, dude, the grocery store has no hand sanitizer. I'm telling you, every, I'm going to look up a company that does grocery store hand sanitizer and I'm going to get it because mm-hmm. something evoked your behavior as to why this is valuable to you. At yep. a certain point in time, which might be different from somebody else, it's sort of at a different point, at a, di- you know, at a different point, beginning of COVID, middle of COVID, end of COVID, people think, wow, Zoom's going like crazy. And they might buy it at the top. And people come into contact with different things. So I remember a long time ago, I told my dad, dad, I'm on this new lupus medication. It just came out. It's the first lupus medication in 60 years just for lupus. We got to get stock in it right? And it's this drug called Benlista. And so like no one else who didn't have lupus would be thinking of that, right? right. Like I'd be like, you're why? crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then my dad also told me I was crazy. He was like, do you realize the size of that pharmaceutical company? That's like one trillionth of all the drugs they sell. So like, even if that one does well, there's so many others that like could fail, whatever it is. Average or whatever. You know, uh, yeah. So that's, that's it. That would be a risk. Yeah. It's a matter of like, there was a point where people talk about uh, first level of thinking and second level of thinking. So your first level of thinking is, well, this is like a great idea. Second level, you dig down a little bit more and you realize, hey, uh, you know, it's a good idea, but there's 30 other competitors. Zoom, funnily enough, does have a lot more competitors, but their name is out there. It's like the name. You know, if you say, I'll Zoom you, they might send you team and they might send you something else, but they're Zooming you. You know, Zoom has got the name the same way as with Avis and Hertz. Same with FaceTime. It's like, even if you don't have an Apple phone, you'll be like, yeah, we'll FaceTime. We'll FaceTime. Same with Study Notes ABA. Exactly. (laughs) Like a Kleenex. Yeah, I need a Kleenex. It's a brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because I just find it so behavioral. But now, Dad. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, Casey. I was going to say. I have some some questions after you talk about this about me, a brand new person. I just downloaded. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, okay. I just downloaded E-Trade app, right? And I am totally overwhelmed with what even first account to open. It says, the first one says a brokerage account. The next one says core portfolio, um, IRA, traditional or Roth, rollover. Like for a brand new person, maybe in their 30s, listening to this episode who has no prior history of understanding any of this, like, what do I do? How do I make okay. my initial investment? I have a thousand dollars I want to give somewhere. <laughs> okay. So your first thousand dollars that you have, you'll put it into a bank account. You'll earn interest, which oh. will be negligible. It will be next to nothing. Mm-hmm. But your primary, primary goal, no matter who you are, as long as you're making less 
than $200,000 a year as a couple or 100000 you have to get yourself a Roth IRA. Can you stop tapping? It shows on the podcast. I'm so sorry. He gets passionate. I know. I do too. I want to do that. I want to emphasize the idea of getting a Roth IRA. Okay. So if you're eligible for a Roth IRA, you must get it. So how does one know if they're eligible for a Roth? Can you say that again? Yeah. As long as your income, your revenues, your income that you're getting each year is not greater than $200,000. Yeah, we qualify. That's good. (laughs) Then you would qualify. Okay. You know, your husband and a wife and an individual, like I think it's like 100,000. But to get a Roth IRA is the most precious account that you can open. So that's what I would do. Why? Why? Because everything that accumulates in that account is tax-free. And when you take it out, it's tax-free. Look, you can only, it's it's really managed for, uh, for retirement at the age of 59 and a half. Now, you might think it's very far away. But the, the amount of money that you put in, you'll lock it away and you won't want to touch it at all, which mm-hmm. is a very good thing. We've all got this tendency when we've got money to take it out and to spend it. We'll always have that. And you'll have that uncertainty to take it out. I don't even want to tell you that you can take it out, which you can, but I don't want to tell you that you can. There's a penalty for taking it out early, and there's a way of getting the money that you put in. You can take it out without any penalty either. But that is, if you but consider it like you can't take it out. Consider yeah, it consider like you oh, can't take right. it out. And first of all, that is the best account that a person can have. Now, does the Roth IRA is it um, stock? Does it have to do with stocks or no? What you can put in your Roth IRA, you can put money in there. And you can just sit and earn interest, or you can buy stocks. I buy okay. stocks in it. Okay, that's good to I, know. I believe when I say buy stocks, you want to buy companies that you really believe in that you can make money in. And then you'll never be taxed on it and just accumulates over and over again. It's a very precious thing. Now, as a person earns more, let's say a person gets to earn more than $200,000 a couple, you cannot contribute ever again to a Roth IRA. So you want to put money into the Roth IRA. And please, God, you should make much more than $200,000. But that Roth IRA money, I'll give you an example of, um, of myself. We had a Roth IRA in which... Um, I had $17,000 and now it's worth over $300,000. That's the power of compounding with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, but you have to invest it right. I'm not saying it's, or you just put it in a Roth IRA and it comes to 300000 No, you have to have invested it correctly. But the power of, of the Roth, and you never pay tax on that. That's awesome. Okay. That is really awesome. Okay. That's the first question. Okay. Now, would you trust an app such as E-Trade to open a Roth IRA on? Sure. Yeah. Okay. They're not trading for you. You are going to make the decisions yeah. as to where you put it. And but this is what I realized recently. So let's say I put a thousand dollars into a account on E-Trade. It's equal to a bank. So like it's the same as if, if I didn't do anything with the money sitting there. I could have it sitting there uninvested, right? Oh, okay. And and you'll earn interest the same way one cent a year, right? I don't know, whatever it is. So I didn't understand that. I'm like, yeah, I didn't be sitting there. It is not invested. So I could say I put a thousand dollars in the account and five hundred dollars of it is invested in Zoom. The other one I'm just leaving until I find a better idea that I like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once that thousand dollars, let's say you've turned that thousand dollars into two thousand and now you want to invest. You're like, I'm over Zoom. I, I think it's at a good point. I think I've made enough money. You pull it out. Now, you could let that $2,000 sit in your account if you wanted, or along comes a better idea, I and you could invest that. that. Uh, probably the, the thing that I want to make a point of here is there's something about being nervous and itchy if you're sitting with cash. Mm-hmm. You know that that money is not making you any interest, so you have a tendency to really want something. Oh, I can't have this money sitting doing nothing. I've got to find something. And then people make so many mistakes you cannot believe. Just by the idea of sitting with cash, people are so reluctant to sit with cash because everybody, the one thing that I want to mention here is the market is the worst place if you don't want to be distracted. You are going to be distracted like you cannot believe by the marketplace. You've got the talking heads in the afternoon mm-hmm. TV. Oh, the market's just crashed. The market's just gone up. You're going to have so many distractions. Your number one thing is to how do you protect yourself from being impacted by all these emotional swings one way or the other? Um, that, that is the 
Because Which is true. And it's wild. Like yeah. I remember putting like a thousand dollars in and being like, it's at $700. I just lost $300 in half a second. Right. If you watch it like that. But if you, if you've done your research and you're like, I'm investing in this company, study notes, ABA, I know they're going to do such good things. Why, why is it good to invest in uh, study notes, ABA? Because I know it. No, for you, I understand. But why should I be interested in study notes, ABA? The reason why I would is because I do believe in my daughter and I do believe <laughs> that would be one of them. But the beauty of that, it's a very important distinction. We're not public. Anyone interested exactly. in knowing? <laughs> the fact that you're not public is a beautiful idea. Warren Buffett makes the following statement. He will buy a company and wouldn't care if the stock market closed. The reason, oh, wow. being, the reason why the stock market is a distraction is because every day it's priced. If I invested a company for you in a company that was private and it could not get a price in it, you wouldn't be worried. How are you doing? Oh, no, fine. Our sales have gone up. Our earnings have gone up. Beautiful. Love it. But just the fact that the market, the stock market prices it every day is the reason why we make all the mistakes that we do. Because we're looking at it on what other people are thinking about it at a given moment in time. And, you know, I do I do see how we are generalizing this to what we do with our own clients, Casey. You know, like we're like, look, I'm telling you, we could increase this child um, communication behavior, right? Like we could increase this child using pecs or words or his, you know, how many mans used a day, I'm telling you. And then we're like, because of this data and on this program, it's going to work, Right. You start the program and there's a decrease and the, we lose oh, yeah. buy-in immediately from these parents. So we kind of need to set these expectations mm -hmm. from the get-go. Like, look, I'm letting you know, we're going to be doing this. You might see it get worse before it gets better. We see that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to do this. Um, and so we're also a lot of the times trying to manage these expectations. I mean, just as people so true. hold very close to them, their money, right? They are like very sensitive about what you're going to do with their money. Understandably, it's hard earned. Mm -hmm. They are also with their child. <laughs> you that is probably one of their most valuable things they own, right? Yeah. So, yep. no, so you're right. So I, what I've what I've found a lot of times, I'll ask a person if they, when they come to open up an account, I'll say, "What is your um, your goal? You know, like, is it a short term, medium, or long? Long. Okay. How long is long? Ten years. After four months of investing, I said, "Look, it's not going anywhere." And I forget it. I'll close my account. The idea being is how, when a person says 10 years, do they really mean 10 years? Right. Or, or what do they really mean? Emotion changes people. You know, like you have to really, you have to understand people to really know, are they, do they really mean 10 years or don't they mean 10 years? Do they believe in long-term investing or do you believe in short-term investing? The most difficult job in the world is being an investment advisor when you are managing other people's expectations. Yeah, I would hate they to do that. They have to understand your expectations and buy into your expectations as opposed to you buying into this because you're going to be having 200 different expectations. Seems like you need a behavioral contract. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Can you stop tapping? I'm very He's excited. <laughs> Oxy literally starts like this pound, this pound, and this finger pound, this and this. He but sounds passionate, kind of like you. Yeah. He when is. you're like screaming into the microphone, I'm like, like I'm like just screaming the mic every <laughs> podcast. So, this is, as you can see, very behavioral. I mean, even when you type in behavior stock market, you could find 5 million articles, which I actually found some on, um, on one of our research portals um, that you could access through the BACB website. And we'll definitely add some of those resources. But is there anything else? You wanted to ask Casey, you wanted to add dad. I will say, let me just say this and then Ivan, you can go. Um, the interesting thing that I was listening when I was trying to do some research for this was that uh, the stock market is a lot different than like any other thing you're going to do in your life. Like if I was like going to my, my, let's say um, personal trainer, my nutritionist or whatever, I want to lose 20 pounds. You're never going to, they're not going to tell me do nothing, <laughs> do nothing, do not move, just stay where you are and you're going to lose 20 pounds. Like that does not happen <laughs> in any other place other than really the investment stock world. So how does like, how do you do that? How do you tell people that? Well, I, I can tell you now, uh, there's, a, there's a quote that says the money is made in the waiting. Ooh. 
Okay. Because Casey takes notes. She's such a good no, <laughs> It really is. The money is made in the waiting. When you allow, for example, if I looked at, um, let's say, study notes ABA, and I were to look at study notes ABA after the first three months and say, wow, this is a great business. I think it's, you've, matched, you've, you've reached your peak. No ways. You've got to allow company and the person to grow and to make the business into something meaningful. So the only real value of the company can come out in time. You've got to allow something to grow. When we're farming or when you're blaking flowers or you're trying to grow a crop, you've got to allow the cycle to come about. When you don't allow that to come about and you're trying to force it in one direction or another, you might make quick money, but that quick money is easily lost. Yeah. Making it slow might seem old-fashioned, but it's real. When you think of the value of Tesla from five years ago to where it is today, and when you look at Facebook, where it was five years ago, where it is today, Walmart, um, Amazon, all in time. You have to give something time to grow and for your investment portfolio to grow. You cannot, if you're making quick money, I mean, the guy was joking. I mean, not joking. The guy was pretty serious. I think it was a plumber that was saying that how dumb Warren Buffett is for having sold all his airlines. And he had just made a fortune on the airlines going up because of the trading and everything else like that. Warren Buffett's got a, I, I can tell you now, most people burn out. You can have a certain amount of success and then you burn out. He's been successful over decades. And yeah. it's that longer term approach of really understanding what you're buying. And, uh, but there is a difference in buying now because the world has changed. Technology is everything. Now, with that being said, my question is this, and I know we are pushing the limit. Yes, but we're doing great. Is this. So which type of person should invest? If you are making enough money to just cover your rent a month and you have $300 extra, should you be investing or what should you be doing? Because I would say everyone should invest. Think about it. You've got a limited amount of money you can make on your job. Limited amount. You need to make something else work for you while you're sleeping or while you're working. So investing is most important. But the number one thing is just save the money. Save it, save it, save it. Don't get itchy that you're going to just throw your money, sorry, I'm passionately hitting the flag again. Don't let the actual money drive you into forcing you to make an investment. That could be a mistake. Wait. Just save, 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 save. Get that savings account up, and you'll see something will come along one day, and they'll say, do you want to invest in this company? Most amazing company. You understand it. You know what's going on, and you've got the money to do it. But what I'm saying is, let's say you don't have a savings account and you make $300 over your rent a month in groceries. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend that someone invest that? Or, I mean, to me, I would not think that sounds very smart because, like, what if you get a medical bill that costs more? So what you would do is you would take the $300, you'd save it up to, let's say, $10,000 $10, or whatever. That's your emergency money to take care of things. Then you'll go over that and you'll say, okay, fine, now I'm going to start making an investment account. And you'll start collecting money. Start off with $10, $20. Just get small amounts of money and push it into the saving in this investment account. You'll see, you'll be surprised how much that it I make. thought of this cool thing. It's like every time you're about to buy some bullshit at like TJ Maxx or on Amazon and press click, you take that exact amount of money. You obviously were able <laughs> to it and immediately pay it into another account. Yeah. I thought that's a cool that's way. A great idea. Into your investment account, into your, into your um, future. The future in your future delayed reinforcement friends delayed reinforcement uh, that accumulation of just steadily accumulating is powerful and my last question is because we know it was hot is debt if people are in debt should they work to pay a hundred thousand dollars of student loans off first or be investing something on the side i'm a bad person to ask that to because i had that situation what I did is I always pay off my debt as much as, you know, a certain amount, but I would take the funds that I had to make more money to pay the debt off. But everyone at Dave Rams and all that, which is correct, they will all tell you, pay your debt off first and then invest. If I can make 
15% and my debt is at 7%. That's so your head. That's my matching law. He's like, well, if I can make more money doing this yeah. than this, I'd rather put yeah. it on this. But I don't know if that's necessarily. But I think the, the, the important thing is I think follow Dave Rabes is very solid. Pay off your debt as early. Don't take on debt and pay off your debt. As Jay-Z says, if you can't buy it twice, you can't afford it. <laughs> is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not thing to say. It's like, if you can't buy it, I mean, I don't know how that worked for like a house and stuff, because I don't think most people could afford to. Like, I was going to say, that. I'll never, yeah. Well, I did just buy a spin bike for $389 and I could afford to. So I guess that that was a good investment. Good job, Case, but it doesn't even work. Yeah. I know. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's broken. Because I bought the cheap one. Go figure. Oh, God. All right, Ivan, you are the best. And I have a whole no, list of things all here. All I would say is just accumulate, save, save, save. Pay off your debt. Don't take on debt. And enjoy your life. Live, love, and laugh, right? <laughs> Live, laugh, invest, and laugh. You know, Live, love, learn, <laughs> and invest. Take some risks, some uh, intelligent risks. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks, Dad. You guys know where to find us. You can find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook, Behavior Bitches Podcast. You can support us on patreon.com slash Behavior Bitches. We really appreciate when you do that. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, love you. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 